I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press for the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press for the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press for the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press for the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end inside. The idea that we're going to be looking at this evening for balanced beliefs is the idea that you know, in Jesus Christ, we've experienced so many things in this life, right here and right now. But yet, there's also still some things that we're going to experience in the future. So that's why I've titled this, and I've kind of borrowed this title from, from other people. I've, I've actually heard several people uh, talk about these promises and these blessings that we have in Jesus Christ as already, but not yet. It, it's the sense of, or I guess the way that I labeled it was already and not yet. It's kind of both of these things at the same time because we've experienced so many great things in Jesus Christ, but then also, I mean, almost everything that we've experienced, every great thing that we've experienced in Jesus Christ, there's still more to be done in the future. So it's not like it's completely done, but there's still more to happen. Um, for example, the, the biggest example I can think of about this is Jesus is coming back. I mean, we believe in the second coming of Christ, and if he's already done everything that needed to be done, why is he returning? Well, he's returning, and uh, specifically, we're going to look at, uh, at three different things that we kind of experience in an already state, but then also it's a not yet state. We've experienced part of it, but we have hope that there's going to be even more in the future. I think these things will kind of work themselves out as we look at them. But it is this, this idea of these blessings and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This morning, we, we kind of ended with this thought from Revelation 3.21 that says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, this victory that we have in Jesus Christ I love that, that concept. In fact, I love the song, Victory in Jesus. And, and I love these different songs that we have that talk about victory that we can have through Jesus Christ. But the victory that we have in Christ is one of those things that fits that description of, yes, we already see it. And this passage, it talks about how Jesus was victorious, and he was. And he sat down, and he, he is still seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father on his throne. That is all true. But at the same time, this victory that we have in Jesus Christ, there's still some hope that there's some future things that's going to happen. That's why we read this passage here in 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 20 through 28 
And by the way, I will just kind of go ahead and give you a heads up about this lesson. We're going to be looking at several passages in the Bible. I'm not going to be commenting necessarily a whole lot on each individual passage, but altogether they help show us the story that we as Christians experience these great things right here and right now, but we're also going to experience so much more in the future as well. So this first one is the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 through 28. We read this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom of, uh, to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clearly, uh, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. This passage is talking about this victory that we have in Jesus Christ. But you notice that it talks about how Christ is seated on his throne. He does have all this power and, and all of these things. He is reigning. That's what verse 25 says. But he must reign until he's put all of his enemies under his feet. Can you truly have complete victory without finishing your task? We see that the last enemy, verse 26, that is going to be destroyed is death. And I've said time and time again, we're not talking about the death of Jesus. He's already conquered that one. This enemy of death is our death. It's the future hope that we have. So the victory that we have in Jesus, yes, he has already started destroying all these dominions uh, and, and authority and powers that stand opposed to God. Jesus has already started that process. But ultimately, there is going to be a final enemy that God, that Jesus Christ, is going to destroy. That last enemy to be destroyed is death. And also later on in this chapter, we see even more about this this victory in Christ, and specifically the victory over death itself. We're going to pick back up now in verses 52 through 57. And this is talking about the second coming of Christ, which, by the way, all of these things are talking about the second coming of Christ. And we see that we experience great blessings now, but we will experience even more whenever he returns again. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 57. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound... The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this victory that we have in Jesus Christ, we're experiencing it now. Oh yeah, we're experiencing so many great, wonderful blessings, so many victories that are found in Jesus. But we still have a future hope that yes, we've already experienced these things, but at the same time, we haven't yet experienced all of them. We are going to experience this, this victory whenever Jesus has victory over death, not his own, but our death, that's whenever we see that 
that, uh, that, that this is, is going to be something great, something that all of us can rejoice about whenever Jesus Christ comes back. Now, like I said, though, we experience these victories already and not yet at the same time. How do we experience this victory over even death? Well, to that, let's turn to the new life that we can have in Jesus Christ. After all, don't we speak about following Jesus as being new life in Christ? Even the Bible itself speaks about that. Let's look at some of those passages and learn some things about this life in Christ. The first one I want us to take a look at comes to us from Romans 6.23. Very familiar to, to uh, you know, all of us, I'm sure. It's just, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the victory in Jesus, yeah, we're going to experience it something different in the future. But right now, we've already started to experience this, haven't we? The wages of sin is death, okay? If we continue to sin, what that's going to automatically lead to is death. The, the, the exact opposite of life. But this gift of God that he gives to us, it's eternal life. And he does this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why even Jesus himself in John 11, whenever a dear friend of his has, has already passed away from, from this life and into the, the next one, he raised him back from the dead a few verses later, but he knew he was going to do that. But still he spoke to those who were mourning and he said this, John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I think that's so important for us to, to ask ourselves that question. And, you know, for, for those of you who've, who've been kind of following along with these lessons, uh, you know, I've, I've probably preached on this passage, uh, I mean, at least once or twice or even maybe even more than that uh, in the past year. This passage has come up for, for one reason or another. But Jesus most certainly is the resurrection and the life of us. And he also tells us that, look, if we believe in Jesus, we will live. This is part of that victory that we're already experiencing. It's this new life that we can have in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, if we believe in him, we will live. And then he says in verse 25, an interesting thing, even though they die. So, yes, we might still have to die, physically speaking, but we still will live. And if we live by believing in Jesus, as verse 26 says, we will never die. It's kind of an interesting balance that we see. So we see this balance coming in with the victory in Jesus. We see this balance coming in in this new life that's found in Jesus. We're experiencing these things right here and right now, but we also know that one day we're going to experience them on a whole new level. Do you believe this? This is what the Bible tells us. This is what Jesus himself tells us. One more passage about this new life in Jesus, though. Back to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This passage right here is telling us this wonderful statement about even though, like verse 10, even though our body, it might be subject to death, okay, because of this sin, because of, of kind of the human condition, however you want to, to, to label it, our human body, it is going to be subject to death. We, we are going to die at some point. 
But notice that even though that is going to happen, even though we know that is going to happen, unless, of course, the Lord returns before then, but even though we know that this is going to happen, we see that the Spirit gives life. This is this new life that we can have in Jesus Christ. And look, if we can believe that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, don't you think that he can also raise us from the dead? That's what, he, that's what Paul says in Romans uh, 8, verse 11 right there. He talks about how if we believe that God is able to raise Jesus from the dead, then we should, we should most certainly also be able to believe that he will raise us from the dead as well. So this new life in Jesus Christ, yeah, we can experience it right here and right now. But we also know there's, there's more that is to come. There's more to this life in Christ. And we'll get to experience that in the future. Someday in the future. I don't know when. You don't know when. That's okay. We know it's coming. We have hope in Jesus Christ. So we've looked at the victory in Jesus. We've looked at the new life in Jesus. The third and the final thing for us to look at about this already and not yet balance that, that we kind of are, are living in right here and right now. And this is true of all Christians, okay? Going back to the, the New Testament Christians, uh, the ones who were receiving the letters that Paul was writing, uh, they lived in the same type of time period that we live in. And who knows, 2,000 years down the road, maybe Christians will still be preaching some of these same things, that they're living in this time in which they've already experienced some of these blessings, but they can't wait to experience the, these, these wonderful things in the future as well. So we've looked at the victory in Jesus. We've looked at the new life in Jesus. Now let's turn our attention to judgment. Judgment is kind of an interesting thing because it's one of those things that we don't always like to talk about, but I think it's so important. And I love the way that John talks about judgment. And I've also kind of mentioned this just, you know, not too long ago. Uh, so it should probably be pretty, pretty fresh uh, on our minds. But judgment appears just shortly after uh, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16. So let's turn there and look at that together. John 3.16 and and uh, for sake of us being able to just kind of get the whole context of this, I want us to look at John 3, 16, 17, and 18. Let's do that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of of God's one and only Son. See, this passage is already talking about judgment right here. John 3, 16, it's, it's wonderful. It talks about how we can have eternal life. And that, that kind of goes, I, I guess this one sort of, uh, sort of comes in from the last thing that we looked at too. I guess kind of each one leads to, to another. That victory in Jesus kind of led to the new life in Jesus. But then the new life in Jesus also kind of leads us to this one about this judgment. Because we can see that, yes, we can have eternal life because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus was not sent into the world, verse 17, to condemn the world. No, 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 that's not the reason. He came to save the world. And verse 18 also tells us about how this salvation happens. And we're, we see there that if we, if we believe in him, then we're not condemned. You know what that means? That means that there's a sense in which judgment has already taken place, okay? So yes, we already see judgment. But also it's, it's a not yet thing because we know that there's a future day of judgment. There's a day of the Lord, a day in which the Lord uh, will judge. You know, I guess you might want to say that like in Matthew 25, 
you see that the sheep will be on one hand and the goats will be on another. There, there's several different passages like that that speak about the judgment that Jesus is going to, to, uh, to usher in. But here in this passage, it says, look, if you believe in Jesus, you're, you're not going to be condemned. You're not condemned currently. But then he says that whoever does not believe stands condemned already. You see how judgment has already taken place, but it's also going to take place in a different way in the future. All these things deal with the second coming of Christ, and we will see that ultimate fulfillment being happened whenever Christ does come back. But we already see the start of it right now. We already see this victory. We already see this new life. And we already see that the judgment is taking place based on what we are responding or how we are responding to Jesus in this life right here and right now. John 3, 16 through 18 reminds us of that. But now I want to look also in John's gospel a couple chapters later, and we'll see even more about judgment. John chapter 5, verses 24 through 30. Jesus is teaching right here, and this is what he says. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to, place, not to please myself, but him who sent me. This was Jesus' teaching about judgment. So we see the already but not yet part of it. We see in verse 24 that, look, we as, as followers of Christ, we can already experience this eternal life. And we don't have to have this fear of being judged because we have crossed over from death to life. But then he also goes on and he talks about a time in the future. The way that he talks about it is very interesting, though, because he says in verse 26 that a time is coming and now has come whenever the dead are going to hear this voice of Jesus. And whenever they hear it, they're going to live. Verse 26 also tells us uh, a little bit more uh, about that. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm kind of mixing some of these things up. We see uh, later on in verse 28. Here we are. More to this, uh, that he's repeating this phrase that a time is coming when all who are in their graves are going to hear his voice. And whenever they come out, what's going to happen? Right there, verse 29 tells us that then those who have done what is good, they're going to rise and they're going to live. Okay, because they don't have to have fear of that judgment. But those who have done what is evil, they will rise to be condemned. On that day, the day of judgment is going to be a little different for them. It's not going to be the pleasant day. But God's judgment doesn't have to be like that for us. God's judgment, whenever we really recognize that God already knows our hearts, he's already working with us here and right here and right now, we experience this judgment already. But there's also a way that it's, it's not yet fully come. And we see that there is going to be a day in which all are going to be judged. Now, these are just some of these different examples. And of course, the list could go on and on and on about the time period in which we live that Jesus has brought so many of these things into this 
this world right here and right now. And we have experienced them partially. But we're going to experience them fully in a time that is to come. We live in a time when we've already started to experience the victory in Jesus, the new life in Christ, and the judgment by which he brings. But we also know that there's going to be a future day in which that victory will be final, in which that new life will be forever, truly forever, never to die again. And we also know that one day there is going to be a day of judgment, the final day of judgment, in which all people from all nations, from all time, will stand before their creator and will be judged. Let's make sure that we, we actively are doing things that are pleasing to God right here and right now, so that on that day, we can look forward to being able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant.